Today's guest is the frontman of the New Jersey, New York City-based rock band, Cousin Oven. He's a guitarist, singer, and multi-instrumentalist, originally from Connecticut. Uh, please welcome to The Root, Owen Bologna. Thanks for having me. Great to be hey, here. Hey, um, yeah, so uh, looking forward to talking. I know you've got a record coming out soon, so we'll be uh, talking about all that. But I kind of wanted to start from the beginning. Um, beginning being, what did you have for breakfast this morning? <laughs> um, I actually don't even think I had breakfast. I think I just had coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what, what that says about me, but sure. I'll go not, with that. <laughs> what do you have? Do you have any, uh, any early flashbacks of music, whether it's concert, something at the home, just anything in general? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I'm sure there's like some pretty early ones. Um, I don't know why this one's coming to mind, but I just remember being at my, like my cousin's house on my mom's side of the family. And you know, those like, uh, inflatable, like guitar things, Absolutely, you know, I do. Yes. that you get at like the state fair or whatever. Usually they have the guitars and then they have the big aliens with the big stupid heads. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, for some reason, like we, I was at their house, um, and they had a couple of, uh, of those inflatable guitars. And I, I don't remember how old I was. I, I don't know. I must've been pretty young. I don't know. But I just remember like, you know, pretending to be in a rock band with that yeah. thing. Like, and I don't know, I, I've always just thought like the idea of being in a band was like the coolest thing from, you know, yeah, as long as I could remember. So that I, for some reason that sticks out in my mind is like yeah. a very early memory. I played some of my best solos on those. Inflatable yeah, guitars. dude. I'm. I mean, it's all downhill from there. You know, really? like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, what records were kind of uh, playing at your house? Not maybe not you selected, but just stuff that was on around in the car, all that. Yeah, um, I guess most of my like early musical kind of influences, or I guess maybe memories, or you know, of music in the house is. Um, yeah. I guess just like classic rock stuff. Like my dad was really into the who um, and, you know, just like ACDC stuff like that. Uh, Pink Floyd, you know, just that kind of music. My grandfather was actually really into music, Um, but I I only knew him when I was really young because he he passed away when I was in first grade. But a lot of his musical kind of influences kind of came into my life later on in you know, in my musical kind of journey. But um, yeah, early on, it was mostly just like classic rock, The Who, ACDC, yeah. that kind of stuff. Nice. Uh, what are the first, probably CDs, uh, knowing your age, uh, what is the first stuff you remember buying with your own money? Um, I think it, w- it must have been uh, Green Day, American Idiot, I think. Um, Cause I must've been in like fourth or fifth grade when that came out. Yeah. And I remember going down to, uh, the, in Greenwich, uh, Connecticut, there was like the Avenue where it was just had all these stores. Um, now they're all just really super expensive stores now, but there used to be a store called like, I think it was called Sam Goody, which was sort of like an FYE. So yeah. it had, you know, CDs, video games, stuff like that. And I remember that, that, album coming out and i was like oh i want to buy it i don't remember if it was actually just like if it was my money but i just or if it was like my mom's yeah for first you know. choice i guess to, yeah, yeah it, that was, i just remember making it making a very like deliberate like you know decision to wanting to go buy that yeah that cd it's a good um, cover i feel like for that age yeah yeah and i remember like um <laughs> my mom being kind of like i don't know i think there's like a parental like advisory thing on the front i don't know they must say like hell or something at the, in the song <laughs> you know it. yeah god, yeah oh gosh darn um yeah on the government it's like yeah stuff like that but i just remember having like a very like serious conversation with the one of the employees there you know <laughs> like about yeah. like oh is this like an appropriate album for, you know for for us to be listening to was, yeah. and she was like yeah it's fine yeah who cares so <laughs> love that shout out to that uh yeah whoever whoever you are wherever you are yeah thanks Thanks. nice um i don't even mention green day obviously but um any other stuff in those kind of early years almost before your musician stuff that you remember kind of leaning towards um yeah again it was just like kind of whatever was 
um playing i guess in my like my dad's yeah, part i just have like, like another yeah yeah it i have another like very vivid memory of like um being in my dad's car i think on a on our way to like i don't know a birthday party or something when i was in like third grade um i think we were going to like the big thing in my town was like having birthday parties at the ice rink like going ice skating like that was that was the theme everyone had to have their birthday parties there and i just remember specifically going to one and there was uh i think my dad was playing um like the acdc back in black uh but it's not like the, the usual like you know back in black or or uh you know the hits off of that record for some reason um the song shoot to thrill like i was right. amazed at that song because it's i mean if you think of any acdc song like just think of an acdc song and you know what it sounds like you know they all sound very similar but there's a like a middle kind of bridge section in that song where it gets very quiet and there's like a little kind of noodly kind of guitar riff thing with some drums in the background and it gets very very quiet and i thought that was the coolest thing i was like oh man like I, I remember thinking like when I heard that, like, oh, I, w- I want to know how to do that. Like how to write something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm crazy about that, that live record. Um, if you want blood, all those. Yeah. Yeah. I, they were a, a pretty big band in my, I, I guess in my upbringing, like, you know, yeah. when I was very young. Yeah. Yeah. We're the guitar hero generation. There's a lot of, yeah, for sure. Some classic rock slipped in there. Guitar hero was another big thing. Yeah. I mean, that was a little later, like, I was, I was taking guitar lessons too at the time when guitar heroes came out. And I remember showing my guitar. Yeah. My guitar, I showed my guitar teacher and he's like, that's going to mess you up. Like, Like, it'll probably help you with rhythm, but like, it's not going to help you technique wise at all. Yeah. The only reason I'm a semi-competent drummer is because I played Beatles rock band so much. I feel like the drums would probably translate the best for sure. Yeah. It's not the same, obviously, but it's, it's, I, I got independence by like copying Ringo licks. Yeah. Beatles rock band. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess at what point, what, what point did you start studying guitar? I know you play trumpet as well, obviously. Um, yeah. What, what were the starting points of each of those? Um, well, I knew I wanted to play some kind of instrument and my dad and all of his brothers played trumpet when they were, uh, you know, in grade school. So like we already had a trumpet I was like, I want to play a trumpet. So I, you know, fourth grade signed up for band and uh play the trumpet and right around the same time too uh i think when when we were getting like my starter you know trumpet um i think my mom had played guitar a little bit like she's not really she's not a guitar player but like she had played at one point a little bit and um she got me like a a you know a tiny like starter guitar at around the same time too yeah i think i still have it i think it's at my parents house um it's like barely holding it together like it's it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna break <laughs> um but yeah i i got that around the same time around, around fourth grade and but i didn't start taking lessons until uh fifth grade so okay. that's yeah. pr- probably around the time i started nice yeah um so i'm guessing on guitar the music you were consuming was probably the music you were also studying or, or pretty similar um kind of uh i i started like when i started taking lessons um the guy i took lessons with he started me in like etude books pretty early like we didn't start with like chords or anything um i played for like a year before i ever played (laughs) played a chord (laughs) i think it was mostly like melodic stuff um in like open position and a lot of finger style stuff like i didn't use a pick either for like the first year or so of playing okay um and i yeah it was just a lot of finger style kind of um right hand independence kind of thing like uh which was interesting an interesting way of going about it um and if i were to teach guitar i probably wouldn't have done (laughs) that the same way and i did teach like guitar lessons a little bit um and i tried like you know doing the way I learned, you know, with, yeah. the, with my students and like, they all ended up just hating. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was, he taught me very different than, than what I, at least in the beginning, like it was yeah. very like technique based and, um, a lot of 
uh, melodic line kind of stuff uh, in the yeah. beginning. And then later on, yeah. It, There's just so many schools too of guitar. Like it's, yeah. it's one of those things where you can, depending on the teacher and depending on who you kind of just fall into. Like uh, you'll have a weird foundation, not weird, but just a different foundation. Um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it was a weird way to start, I think. Um, cause I mean, if, if I were to start te like teaching lessons again too, I would probably just, uh, kind of start with almost start with chords, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Like just pl start playing songs, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I just didn't have like, also, I just like, didn't put two and two together. Like I didn't, everything I learned guitar on guitar in the beginning was like through my guitar teacher. I never really like did any kind of too much like exploration and like i don't know even reading tabs or anything like that yeah you know because I, I feel like any like guitarist in like middle school is like oh yeah like you're gonna go on guitar ultimate guitar tabs and like look up all the blink 182 <laughs> songs or something like that and it's like all just power chords anyway but yeah of course <laughs> you know um yeah no i i started very on guitar very, in a very weird place you know? yeah yeah at least interesting stuff um uh, when you're when you're studying trumpet did you ever feel like there was a link between those or in your mind it was just like super disparate, just these are two different things. These are two different Owens and they're not. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that I, I felt like they were just two different things um, for a long time. Um, even into high school, uh, I, I just didn't see like any kind of connection. Um, I saw it as like two different identities for sure. Um, yeah. And especially like when I was auditioning for, like music programs in, in college, I knew I wasn't like, like, if you wanted to study guitar, it was like, okay, you're going to study jazz pretty much. And like, I could play like a little bit, like I did it in high school, but it wasn't really something I, I would have wanted to focus on, uh, or study, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think I sort of saw it as like guitar is for fun. And then trumpet is more for as a study kind of. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to work someday. I need to play this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also knew I, at the time, I think I had a better chance of getting into more programs on trumpet than I did yeah, okay. with guitar. Yeah. Um, I guess then was there a point where those, you feel like those merged? Yeah. Um, I think it's when I started, uh, taking like, cause also on trumpet, I never really, I, I took lessons here and there when I was starting. Um, but not seriously until I really got to college um, and studied with uh, Lewis Hanslick. Shout out to Lou. Shout out. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I started to like merge the the kind of identities um, when I, I went to college because I, I like how he went about, you know, the lessons that he taught because a lot of my lessons, I don't know how, he would probably catered it to whoever, you know, whatever the student needed pretty much. But my lessons were mostly like, lyrical studies and like creating phrases and stuff yeah. and i started to take that kind of lyrical study and um phrasing and dynamics and stuff into my guitar playing and i i didn't really notice it at the time but like throughout college like especially when i started writing stuff more like i could see the influences from studying the trumpet within how i was writing stuff on guitar yeah too. it's fascinating to me too i do see a lot of kids uh, even now who are, you know, they play our band orchestra instruments in school and then they take piano lessons or vocal lessons or guitar. And it's just like totally separate. I don't know. It's strange. It's just strange how the, how the mind does that for a while. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't connect it that at like when I was younger. I mean, yeah. I think education in a lot of those instruments is super, super. And, and I mean, part of it is mostly because you have to build technical skill, but like yeah, super European classical music and, and just, Hey, this is what you play to get good at this. And this is also the end game of it. Yeah. I guess I just didn't connect like, Oh, what I'm learning in band class. Like I could bring to the <laughs> guitar, <laughs> yeah, like cool. it's what stays in band class just stays on the trumpet in band class. Um, yeah. Um, as, so as you're growing as a musician, as you're developing these skills, uh, does your listening change a bit? And what, what is that like? What kind of stuff are you checking out? Um, yeah. So like uh, in high school, I feel like I went through like a pretty significant like shift in taste and music. Um, 
like you know middle school i was playing in in bands too on guitar uh mostly just like pop punk stuff you know all the all the number bands you know just like <laughs> blink 182 some 41 that kind of garbage you know it's good but like you know i can't, yeah. I can't go back and listen to that stuff anymore but um yeah some of it's tough to circle back some of it i mean it's, it's, hit, it's hit or miss. i mean I'll, I'll defend i guess uh that one blink 182 album uh anima of the state all like the guitar riffs in that are they they like changed me <laughs> when, I, <laughs> when i was like listening to that when i was younger um but like that was a, that was more of an identity of like early high school and like middle school when i was playing just in my basement with my friends and um very useful to like try and write in that style too just yeah. as like sort of like an etude in like how to play as a band pretty much because it's really just simple stuff like power chords stuff like that um and just like one guitar part one bass part and like drums and that's it um yeah. So like a lot of my early playing with, with in the band context, like a rock band context is in that kind of style. But um, after around the middle, the middle of high school, I, my band kind of split up. We just stopped playing and um, I didn't have a band to play with anymore. So like I kind of like shifted towards more of an acoustic kind of like folk rock type stuff um, that was kind of influenced by like I started getting into like vinyl and stuff like that too, like records uh that were i found a, a box of records in my parents basement um in like the storage area and it turned out they were my my grandfather's uh most of them were either like a mix of my dad's stuff or you know my my grandfather's stuff and i remember um i think it was uh the simon and garfunkel album uh bridge over troubled water like that i loved every song on that and like yeah, yeah like i i there's a lot of finger picking stuff in that in those songs too and like i guess my guitar teacher was like kind of laying the groundwork of like working on finger picking stuff so i was like oh i, I already know how to do this like why <laughs> why haven't i been doing this earlier and um yeah so going from like you know like pop punk stuff like that like like i mentioned before to this acoustic finger picky kind of stuff like i remember really being into like the you know fleetwood mac too like uh there's a lot of cool guitar stuff on on rumors that i tried to uh learn and, and kind of copy too and this is when I, I started writing a lot too um i wrote a little bit with the band but um when i had to play acoustic i just started just writing a bunch of random stuff yeah yeah nice um uh, so as you, as you, as you kind of start writing and more writing more and more, um, what, what was your process like at the beginning? And has, has that changed? Have you kind of streamlined it, gotten efficient? What is your, are you more of like a daily writer or do you tend to chip away at stuff? Um, or is it like, oh, I, I need, I need a spark to write and then I'll do it all in, you know, the next 20 minutes. Um, or is it like, I have to chisel away at this for six weeks and craft lyrics and, you know, is it work? Mm. Well, it's worked both ways, but yeah, it's a loaded question. <laughs> I'll try and answer <laughs> it briefly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, there were a couple of a uh, couple of key points in there. I think um, I, I guess early on when I started writing stuff, it was just like I needed to practice writing, so I did a lot of copying. Uh, you know, as artists do when they oh, yeah. first start. You know, yeah. so like I said, like you know like I was saying, like anything like Paul Simon's guitar playing, like a lot of finger picky stuff. Um, I, I started to practice writing in that kind of style. Um, and I guess I started to do that a little bit too with the band that I was playing with in high school. Again, we didn't, we never really did anything. It was just like kind of goofing around writing yeah. in, in the basement. We never really played shows or anything like that. And I never really wrote lyrics until, um, I got to college, I think. Um, and I started playing with my former band, Freight Hopper, I think. Shout out Freight Hopper. Yeah. They really, I, I have to credit a lot of my songwriting to them um, because they're, they were all just like really great musicians um, and way better at their instruments than, than I was at the time. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. They like, 
especially Julian, like he's like, I'll never be on his level. And even back then he was like insane on just like playing piano, but also like composing it, it like a lot of, a, a lot of that band influenced like what I was writing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess when it comes to writing, even when I like thinking now it's, it's very much in phases. Um, I will usually uh, start with just guitar and usually um, get the whole form of whatever the song is pretty much uh, like set on the guitar. And then later I'll, I'll usually come back to it and not even like at, when I'm done with the song, but when I'm done with like a crop of songs, like 10 to 12 songs, yeah. then I'll go back and like, see if I could fit some ideas into like yeah. the mood of whatever the stuff I, the ideas that I had, you know? And uh, so it's, it's it sort of comes in phases. It doesn't really all happen at once. I mean, the guitar stuff, like when I'm writing guitar riffs and stuff like that, it could happen in like 10 minutes or it could happen over the course of a whole day. But okay. if it's like really happening over the, it rarely ever has to, you know, extend over a couple of days. You know, I'm not the kind of guy to, work on a song for like three months, you know? <laughs> nice. Um, that's kind of interesting that, that you have instrumentation fully and form fully laid out before you write lyrics. Mm -hmm. um, do you ever, is there a theme in your mind as you're writing that instrumentally? Like, oh, this riff sounds like climate change or mm. uh, commitment issues or whatever. Or is it just once I go back to and listen, oh, I have this thing on my mind and these kind of mesh well. Or when you're writing that instr instrumentally, does it have ideas presenting itself to you? Um, I'm trying to think back on like the record I just was working on. Cause yeah. I mean, uh, it's freshest in my mind and in how I was writing. Um, I think I might've had for some of the songs, an idea and whatever I was writing around the time of that idea, it was, it's like, okay, that's what the song is going to be about. Like yeah. maybe a couple times I'd be like, okay, I don't really know what, kind of mood or what kind of message I want to attach to this yeah. song just yet. But like, especially with this, again, again, with the most recent songs I've been working on, um, that's kind of how I went about it. Like I, I had some, some ideas that I wanted to write about already before I started yeah. writing. I think generally that's maybe how I go about it. I'll have yeah. an idea. And then that idea kind of influences maybe some of the yeah. guitar parts and stuff. It's kind of interesting too, because especially at least with the two singles I've heard so far, um, like the singer songwriter thing is there, but instrumentation is bigger. And even like tempo and instrumentation, like how do you figure out what direction to go in once it exists on the page? Yeah. Um, that's a good question because I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I, I, I have a, sometimes a problem of just doing too much with a song um so i think especially with the i guess the two singles that we put in put out um like i knew especially with with minimalist um i wanted to have a lot of atmosphere but i just didn't know what it was going to sound like like before i started tracking yeah. so a lot of like the instrumentation and stuff um with both of the singles and pretty much anything I do happens during tracking. So like sometimes I won't have a second guitar part written until I start tracking or I'll have an idea that I haven't played <laughs> in quite some time and I have to relearn it while I'm tracking. But um, like, I guess in minimalist too, like I started using a lot of like tape loops, like cassette tape loops, and I knew I wanted to use those in some songs. So that one, since the chord progressions are pretty much the same throughout the whole song, um, and it kind of stays in one key for the whole song, I knew I could use tape loops in that one. Um, because, I mean, uh, tape loop is just like, it's four seconds of some <laughs> some garbage loop. You know, It's just like kind of noise on its own. But like, I think it provides like a pretty cool atmosphere. And I, I do want to keep exploring with the tape loop stuff, like as, yeah. as I go into some other projects too. Nice. With digital recording, you kind of have that 
yeah i can do everything um, yeah kind of stuff and even you being a like a, a university trained musician like there's not limits to your playing necessarily or, or to your composition ideas you can throw a lot of pieces on um, yeah so yeah it definitely it can be tough to know when to stop um, yeah it's so easy to just like i'll just add like five guitar parts and i definitely yeah. did that in like my early recordings and especially on the second album there's so many guitar tracks on that one <laughs> um yeah. and layered stuff and i just kind of learned to just like okay if i can't get it done in like you know two guitar tracks or three like then there's you probably don't need five you know or yeah. or uh i don't know it's again with like the writing too. Like I don't, I really don't like to force my myself to write something because uh, I'm just going to end up not really liking it anyway. There's actually one song on this new album. Um, I guess I'll, uh, yeah, I'll say it. I, I guess the, the last song um, is I had a different version for it that I was like writing for a very long time. I had, I basically had two ideas and I really liked the first idea. And I really liked the second idea, but not together. You know, I couldn't yeah. find like a transition to it. And like, it was just too much. And uh, we did track it and it was going to be on the album, but I just like, couldn't, I mixed it too. And I had it all, it was all done. And I sent it off for mastering. And then they went through a round of mastering and I lent, I listened to the whole album and I was like, man, I got the last song. I was like, I just don't like it. <laughs> and then I, I ended up in between the first mastering like round. And uh, I think maybe the second mastering round too. I, um, I recorded just an alternate version that I wrote like in the afternoon that I got the second round of mastering back. Um yeah, I, I listened. I listened to it again. I was like, I just got to write something different there. Like, I just got to do something. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's if you for I, I the more the more I record and write that if I feel like if I force something to happen, it's yeah. just not it's not going to happen. You know. It's interesting too. I've heard a lot of records recently where you'll hear like five super clean produced like great tracks, and then one you can tell is like a voice memo. Yeah, it's great. And there's like, man, I just really, this was the best version. So here it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's not wrong. It's just like, I'm going to present what's, yeah, I can present what feels best. Yeah, for sure. There's a bunch of demo um, takes on the, on the album. Um, yeah. Just cause like, I think in Minimalist, the, the vocals are all demo takes that yeah. I did in my apartment. Um, and I was just, just like doing very like low dynamic vocals because i had to because i was in an apartment <laughs> and uh very thin walls yeah but like i tried retracking them in where i'm living now because i had the you know i had the space to track drums in my basement so but like i tried redoing them and i did one take of like the first verse and i was like it's just not it doesn't work it's just not right <laughs> yeah uh tracking this record as well i know you did this uh with the whole band as opposed to alone can you talk a little bit about the differences um, and why you chose to do that instead of, uh, you know, home recording. Yeah. So I, I had done that for the past two records that I did. Um, and I, I would go insane doing all the parts and like, I'm not, uh, I love playing bass. I figured this out after, you know, I, I tracked two albums. I was like, Oh, I love writing bass parts. Love like playing bass and tracking bass. Um, but I'm not a bass player, you know, I, I'm pretty good, but like Nate, Nate Giordano, he's, he's my bass player. He's way better than me. And, yeah. uh, he comes up with some insane bass lines, uh, and combo. Like there's some like crazy stuff that I can't even do. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like there's a breakdown in the middle. He plays some crazy bass line. I remember the first time we were rehearsing that song and he played it and was like, Oh my God, like <laughs> that better be on the record. <laughs> um, same with, same with Steve. Um, he's an incredible drummer. Like, I had him over to track the drum parts um, for, for this record. And he got it done like eight songs. He got it done in like an afternoon. Um, and for me as a, like a sloppy drummer, it would take me like two weeks to do the drums and just like tape it all together. You know, <laughs> yeah. like it would be like eight takes and I would just like splice it all together. And uh, yeah, I would go crazy doing it. Yeah. And um, yeah, that was basically the, like, I, I just didn't want to do that anymore. And I, I had been playing with Steve and, and, uh, and Nate for a while uh, at that point. So, and I knew they were, you know, 
great musicians. So I was like, yeah, they can, they can do this part. Was, was this done in the studio or was it still done at home just tracking? Yeah. So we, we were playing around with um, going to a studio to record it because um, I mean, I, I feel like I'm pretty okay at mixing. I'm not great and tracking and stuff like that. Um, so we were playing around with just like getting it done kind of like the professional way, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it's just like so expensive and the way I write stuff, um, I would have had to really shift, uh, the way I write <laughs> while I record, yeah. um, which there was a lot of writing while recording in this album. Um, especially with some of the guitar parts, as, as I said before, like a lot of the acoustic, like additional the songs that weren't like mainly acoustic that have like additional acoustic stuff in it. Like that stuff is just written while I was recording. So like, we just couldn't afford to like rent out a space or like rent to produce, you know, someone to, you know, record us and figure out stuff while we're there. You know, if we're paying yeah. for the hour, you know, it's, yeah. it's just not feasible. Um, we thought about doing it that way, but, and this is before semantics got involved too, with, with helping us out on, you know, finding people to master and, you know, stuff, yeah. stuff like that for this record. Um, so, and at the time too, when I did a lot of the writing for this record, I was in my old apartment and there was no way we were, uh, recording in there, especially drums, anything like I could do guitar, maybe DI bass i could have done di yeah and uh i kind of lost the space that i was recording at home because a, a lot of this is you know during the pandemic and a lot of people my dad was working from home uh my brother was i think he was finishing up school at home everyone was working at home so like no i couldn't be making loud noises <laughs> you know yeah um but around yeah 2021 uh I, we moved out of our old apartment and found a house that had a basement and, uh, that turned into like sort of a studio. I wouldn't really call it a studio. It's just like a very bare bones yeah, <laughs> basement. Um, and I just bought a couple of sound panels and bass traps and stuff and soundproofed it a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I was able to record live drums and, uh, and mic up some guitar amplifiers down there. Yeah, sweet. It's crazy to think too, like even as minimal as a lot of home studios are these days, it's like what a large portion of recorded music was done like. Yeah. You know, first first half of recorded music was kind of like that. So it's... Yeah, yeah, I know. You can get, it's, you can get away with a lot. Yeah, I mean, if you just treat a room correctly, and I don't know how to treat, treat a room correctly, but you know, there's people out there who know how to really <laughs> finagle some stuff to make stuff yeah. sound good. Um, and yeah, I, I, I mean, also like I felt once I had the space, I felt pretty confident that I could get a pretty decent sound. I think because yeah. um, I had done it to like in a major way, like two times before, and I felt felt like I kind of worked out some of the some of my errors that i yeah. that I, in my my previous work you kind of feel that way too like this is a i don't statement record is kind of a corny term but like uh kind of like okay i, f I feel like i've established a bit of a voice and i've established habits of writing and recording and this is um even being you know on, on the label like I guess a statement record is a good word, word for it. Sure. Yeah, I, yeah, I certainly feel like that. Um, okay. I mean, the first record, I didn't, I just, um, I forget when it came out, 2019, I think. Who cares? Forget, Who, who cares? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I wrote that one while I was in my fifth year at UConn and I wasn't playing with Thray Hopper anymore. And I just kind of wanted to write a bunch of songs and I wanted to do it in like a, concept album kind of way because i was really into that kind of idea um i thought it was so cool and i i was really into this this album called the party by andy Schof. and the whole concept of that album is like each song is like a representation of someone at a party and i was like oh that's a cool thing i want to try and do that but like i was really into like uh kind of creating a character out of like an inanimate object 
Um, I had done that with a couple songs with Freight Hopper. I was like, let me see if I could do that with houses. So like, I just did that with all the houses on my street in my hometown. And um, so that was more of just like, I just wanted to do that. I never really had a goal of like, okay, it's going to be a band. I'm going to like three years down the line, I'm going to have another album, you know, kind of thing. It was just like, uh, I just want to do it, see if I could do it. Um, And I did it very minimally. Um, I had like maybe a handful of microphones, like really cheap, like condenser microphones that I used to like mic up the drum set stuff like that and uh i didn't really know what i was doing production wise either on that it was very much a learning process then the second album i was like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna try and use all these tricks man like i'm gonna like i'm gonna saturate a bunch of stuff and i just like ended up really really frying some of the mixes on that album i mean it happens like in while you're learning you know you're just gonna go too far with with production at some point and i hope i didn't go too far with this third album i don't know <laughs> uh, no we'll based on initial based on initial releases no um no that's good and i think too like like you said kind of even in hindsight it can seem like a logical progression of things but it's really just kind of what you, what you wanted to do and yeah how it naturally happened and what 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 was in front of you yeah. So like, yeah, even with the second album that, that I released, I like, I was, I was very much stuck in that kind of concept driven space too. Um, Cause again, I just did that one by myself too. So I was yeah. just like, I'm just going to do what I want. I don't really care what like people, I guess, think yeah. of it. Like I'm just going to write 14 songs and they're all going to be on the album, you know? Um, but no, this one, I, I made a very deliberate um, decision to be just like, no, nah, I'm just going to write, like try and write my best songs. And it's going to be 10, maybe 11 with a short one. And that's pretty much what it is. There's a really short track in the beginning. Um, And I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to write what I think would be, I don't know, marketable is not the right word, but like, I guess it is like what I was like like a well-rounded complete record. Like, yeah, I didn't want to do anything too crazy. Like nothing that's going to be like too out there. I don't know. Maybe you know, it is even like, I don't know. Yeah, no, but even get away from the concept stuff, just being like, what is, instead of maybe telling a specific story or like you said, kind of painting these different locations or whatever, it's more of like, uh, what are some pillars of a good record? Like, yeah. And I had some ideas that I had been like kind of kicking around to since the second album. I had yeah. some, some ideas that I just couldn't fit into the concept of the second one. I was like, I just got to, I want to write these ideas out, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a good exercise just to like, okay, let me just write, try and write some good songs with no other kind of extra baggage with it. Yeah. I like that. Um, and it's And it becomes, I think a lot of people are concerned with cohesiveness and like a theme and a thing, mm-hmm. but the, the cohesiveness and the theme, I guess you like, yeah it's, yeah it's your voice you know weave through all of them like that's that's the the record yeah i started like when i was talking to the, our our label about like you know they were talking to me about the the album and they were like so like what's the theme of the album you know yeah. i was like i don't I, I hadn't really thought of it because like again yeah. i was just writing songs but like you said it's like the theme is like yeah you like whoever wrote it <laughs> oh the record <laughs> yeah pretty much I mean, there's like more words I could elaborate on, but like it pretty much is just like, yeah, it's just like what I wrote in that time, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I know we talked about a little about guitar and trumpet, but you're singing. You're you are a singer. You're <laughs> yeah. This is the only voice on the album. Well, actually, I, I guess maybe it's not. But um, how do you how do you handle? Um, I think we could phrase it, but like uh, your voice is an instrument and much like you can use 12 different guitars on a record you can use i definitely hear different different character i don't know characters different yeah sure maybe different characters of your voice uh even okay. in, the, in the material uh is that kind of an active thing or do you just find yourself oh if i have to push my voice a bit it's going to sound like this if i'm restrained if i'm soft if I'm whatever it's going to sound like this um or is it more of an active choice like uh kind of what tone to go into mm-hmm. um I don't know if it's an, maybe it is an active choice. I just know that um, I had to like learn how my voice worked. Um, 
because a lot of the stuff on the our first album, like if I go back and play it and sing it now, um, I can't because it's it's just way out of my range. And I was just like trying to write stuff that didn't fit my voice in the range it's in. Um, so I think a lot of it had to do with like just knowing, okay, like what keys work best for like, especially for the style of stuff that I'm writing, writing in. Like if I want something kind of like maybe low key, you know, I probably shouldn't write in E. It's not a good key for my voice. It's, it's pretty, pretty poorly. Especially like a two is really not a good key for me. Um, so anything that fits well in your instrument is not a good key. Yeah, pretty much. Like it also depends on like the energy of the song too. Like if it's a really like high energy song, I, I try and put my voice in a higher register just to get it to project over, um, you know, the, the tonality of the instruments. Um, and if it's more of a you know low key song that I'll sing, generally more in my the lower register and stuff. And I think too with uh, with the uh, like backup voices and stuff like that, I like to do some layered voices and stuff. Um, I do like using a higher voice <laughs> quite a bit as like a like a secondary voice kind of, depending on the situation. If I want something sounding like airy or kind of ethereal or something like that like i'll do a lot of like layered like higher voices i don't know i like to have especially like backup voices i like to have a high voice and a, like a low voice pretty much like kind of three-part writing a little bit yeah. I, don't, I don't know how to do it correctly like <laughs> i feel like i just especially like singing and playing live i was very self-conscious about it until kind of recently yeah. uh when we started playing again yeah. Like I, I was very self-conscious about like, Oh, am I like on pitch? Like yeah. I started doing like vocal warmups before shows, stuff like that. Just like, yeah. just to feel right. Like to be yeah. able to sing. Cause I, I never really studied voice at all. No. So I don't, I don't really know what I'm doing. It's weird. It's I, I started taking note of it too. When I was teaching, like teaching yeah. music and singing all day, um, I would lose my voice like twice a year because uh, yeah. I just wouldn't wasn't using my voice properly both in just like directing a class but also like singing yeah. every day was like very taxing so sort of something I was like forced into like yeah. having to learn about yeah I, I was never really that picky with my trumpet playing I was only a little bit salty when it was cold <laughs> That's <Yeah. a> kinda... <laughs> all I knew was I didn't want to do marching band <laughs> yeah 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 pretty much that'll make me bad anything else yeah <laughs> That's getting cut. Um, no, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, voice is weird. And it's weird because it's so... It's weird to work on something so personal. Yeah, you can't, like, make your voice sound like someone different. It's, it's just not no. going to happen. You could do a lot of processing, and it, but it's still, it's you. It sounds yeah. like you. Nothing will change. Like, you can mess with the guitar playing so much, and especially with, like, so much digital processing now. Like, you could transform stuff like crazy. and yeah. But like, if you're going for like a style on guitar, it's like, yeah, you could achieve it with just like, okay, like you want like a Telecaster kind of sound. It's like, yeah, you get, you get a Telecaster, I guess, like yeah. or like a copy of one, you know. But like, you can't do that with your voice, you know. Like uh, get a larynx. Like yeah, <laughs> get get surgery. <laughs> get, get <focus laughs> then go through therapy, and then go through vocal <laughs> training, and then yeah, maybe you'll be able to sing. <laughs> yeah, the next record, I'm gonna get <laughs> next <surgery>. record. <laughs> <laughs> get little box removed yeah it's funny too when i see like advice i don't know sometimes i just go on deep dives of like you know gear page like especially when i'm like recording stuff and like producing stuff yeah you know you'll look up like oh like what kind of microphone should i use like especially with voice stuff it's like there's no universal answer for like what's yeah. the best vocal mic it's like it's you're not gonna find it <laughs> it's not yeah you're not gonna find it's it. not a thing yeah you talked about um, recording in studio versus at home and kind of the like time is a blessing like time of experimenting is something that is really important yeah and like big artists whether now or in the day like you know if uh whatever bob dylan's doing a record like no one's kicking him out of the studio like right the label's got a book for this six weeks <laughs> right. or whatever so he can you can take six hours and go through vocal mics right and i feel like if you were on that caliber too like I feel like a producer who's working with Bob Dylan would know Bob's Bob Dylan's voice 
yeah, like true. thoroughly and be like, yeah. okay, this vocal mic is going to work perfectly on your voice. Yeah. Um, and I just don't like, and also I just don't have money to, to be yeah, like no. trying out like Neumanns and stuff like that. It's like, Oh, I'll buy a Neumann. It's like, Oh, well there goes $800. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but also it's like, you know, the world's ending and like, sure. I'll try. Yeah. Why not have a little fun while you're here, you know? Yeah. I'll buy a nice telly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's true. Um, all right. I guess back to human questions, logical human questions. Um, <laughs> For this record, I know you guys are playing a bunch of shows, um, and you, you have been in general. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you have ideas of kind of what the future looks like for the group, or is it just kind of whatever opportunities open up, we'll we'll go after that? Um, I don't know. Um, I guess like I've been focusing on this past album for so long, and uh, this is the first time I'm kind of like working with like the marketing side of it too and like trying to promote it better than i have with my previous albums um so i'm still kind of focusing on this old stuff right now but i am definitely like very anxious to start writing again and um i have like my i guess the the next idea that i have is i just have like you know audio recordings and stuff on my phone maybe of i don't know maybe about 40 to 50 ideas at this point yeah. And just like I title them just whatever comes to mind, like at the time that I record it. Um, and I'm going to maybe try and write, I guess, around whatever that stream of consciousness title is. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's the next idea that I have right now. And I don't know how much I'll get out of it. Um, I've I've been fascinated with like, I, I think what what's his name from The Cure? Um, Robert. What was his last name? Robert. Uh... I, I was going to say Robert. That was the part I knew. Yeah, whatever. Uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of them, but like I just read somewhere where he just like wrote like 30 songs in 30 Robert days. Smith. And then, yeah, Robert Smith. Yeah. I knew it was Ro- Robert something. Robert Smith. Okay. Yeah. So he like for one, of, I think it was might have been, um, I forget which album it, it was for. Um, but he wrote like 30 songs in 30 days and then just like chose the best songs of those to put on a record. And I kind of like that idea. I don't know if I could do that, but like, I just have a bunch of songs that I have in my mind right now. And um, I'm personally going through kind of like a, you know, transition location wise, like right now I'm in New Jersey, but I mean, Steve McArdle, the drummer in my band, Um, he's in Brooklyn now and we're going to be moving to Brooklyn in September. So like it's writing is probably going to be put on hold for a little bit until I feel more secure, but also moving to Brooklyn. I'm very excited to be like playing in that scene. Yeah. Much more consistently. Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah. So I guess that's, that's the plan for the near future is just play a lot in that kind of scene and see what it brings out of me, I guess. Yeah, probably interesting playing too. Um, even in the you know small run of shows you've done so far before the release, do you find songs transforming a bit at all? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I that's the one of the funnest parts about playing live is like figuring out how to take a studio recording and making it work live, or like just yeah. seeing what happens to it. That kind of happened too in the in the writing process because like a lot of the writing I did I just kind of this was like deep in lockdown too so like I just sent like demo guitar ideas to Nate and Steve and I was just like just see whatever you want to do with it like see how what do you want to add to it and um yeah that like just doing that alone like switched up like grooves in the song you know changed up the whole mood of some sections and songs um we have a song called Apollo, which is going to be like the second track off the record. Um, the ending section, like the coda, whatever you want to call it. Um, when I initially wrote it was way different. Like the groove was way different it, and it turned into like, kind of like a ska ish, like <laughs> yeah. kind of breakdown kind of thing. It was kind of cool. Uh, yeah. Um, just by giving like Steven and, and Nate the freedom to do what they wanted yeah. with it. Um, and then just doing it live too. We have another song called uh, uh, Left Feet, which is probably one of my favorites to play live now because it's very different. 
than the record, um, at least in the verses. Uh, it's very groove heavy. And on the record, it's not so much, which is kind of cool. All right. So um, can you give us dates of uh, release and some upcoming show dates where we can check out? Uh, the yeah, sure. Um, so I think by the time this will be out, we'll, we, we will have played two shows. <laughs> uh, we're, we were, we're playing Rockwood Music Hall on August 9th, Crossroads in Garwood, New Jersey on August 11th. Uh, so those will be passed. Man, those shows were great. Congrats <laughs> yeah, on those shows. They were awesome shows. It was killer. Yeah, it was cool. Um, McCarty sat on a bass. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I couldn't believe it actually. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he killed it. Yeah. Um, he knew all the parts too. It was cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but ones that will probably actually be accessible by the time this comes out is we're playing 18th Ward Brewing in brooklyn on august 21st that's like a mid afternoon kind of thing i think it starts at like 12 there's a bunch of bands playing and it's at a brewery so you know come out hang out and then uh we're playing like a charity event at this place called cool vines in jersey city on august 27th that one will be a fun one it's like a rooftop kind of event um you might have to get like I don't know tickets like private tickets or something yeah for that. that's right um yeah those those are in august we might have some dates on like around mid-september and end end of september yeah um and yeah looking to book some stuff around brooklyn in october as well beautiful oh and uh the album <laughs> i forgot about the album <laughs> i comes forgot out. about the album yeah the, i forgot about the whole point um the album comes out uh, August 12th. It's called Manor Crescent. And uh, yeah, it'll be out on all streaming platforms. And it's through our our label we're working with, Semantics Records. They, uh, they're helping out with us releasing it. So just want to say thanks to them too for, for helping us out with the process and everything. Uh, catch Manor Crescent released August 12th. Um, thank you for, uh, for coming in and talking. It's been great. Yeah, thanks for having me. This has been The Room. If you dug the show, please leave questions, comments, and the names of anyone you'd like me to interview at the root underscore pod on Instagram. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. Produced by Grant Eagles. Music by Kobe Nielsen and Grant Nielsen.